Hello, welcome everyone to the second part of chapter 4 for Royal Assassin. Once again, I just want to say that this was split in two because it was so long, and I do apologize for Emma's mic having that buzzing sound. It'll be fixed for the next episode. Enjoy! I don't really know what this means to you, but I feel like it's important. Yeah, it was your dog, but not your dog at all, so... (laughs) And then conversation turns towards Ketrikin, and Chade grows pretty grave over this, and is talking about how she faces a hugely difficult task in that she came at a time where there's you know there's a war there's civil unrest uh it's a different way of ruling than she's used to um it's a different you know different culture in general Mm -hmm. and she looks different from everybody else so she sticks out especially during a time when there's a war with another country looking different isn't so great in this area exactly (laughs) she comes to court that she alone as well Mm -hmm. she's besieged by feasts and gatherings in her own honor but she's used to walking out among her own people tending you know her own stuff sacrificing herself for the good of all of her people but she only talks to nobility she only talks to the the noble court the ladies who are you know gossiping and tittering and whatever mm-hmm. and the noblemen who are probably inviting her out to like these feasts and gatherings and stuff but right. it, i don't know she doesn't understand that she doesn't understand the the jewels and the dresses and all that stuff. It's not her culture. Right. Which I find a little interesting, the specificity of her not understanding the display of costly fabrics or the flaunting of jewels, considering that's all Regal did the whole time she knew him. And also, she seemed pretty smitten with being showered in jewels and attention from Regal's style of living. So it's interesting that when she moves here, it's weird to her and she doesn't understand. Well, I think, I think he's saying that because like in my mind, Mm -hmm. I can, I can see that she would be very happy with all of these old beautiful dresses and gems and stuff. But on a day to day basis, she's just going to put on her simple, simple (laughs) thing and like, walk among the people like she's fair. why would she wear that every day <laughs> that's fair and maybe when it's one person in your home it's a little easier to be like oh this is so cool and then when you're surrounded and you're like oh wow this is actually really shallow and i hate it <laughs> yeah true it's a little bit different so shade says and so she does not quote show well which is fair like it, yeah. she doesn't present well in the standards of the buck court right uh, she is a handsome woman in her way, but she is too big, too heartily muscer- muscled, too fair amongst the buckkeep women. She is like a charger stabled among hunters. Her heart is good, but I do not know if she will be sufficient to the task, boy. In truth, I pity her. She came here alone, you know. Those few who accompanied her here have long since returned to the mountains, so she is very alone here despite those who would court her favor. This makes me wonder if this is a little bit of what Patience is talking about, of this being a men's court. Yeah. Um, and that it's hard for women in this world, because we see even a queen is struggling because she doesn't fit the standards 
mm-hmm. of the society that she's in. She doesn't have a support system at all, and yeah. then is left floundering. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting. And I find it interesting, too, that because she can't fit in, Chade is wondering if she'll be sufficient enough to be a ruler here, which is kind of fair, but I think also a little bit biased on his part that because she's not like the other fanciful women, she won't be a good queen. I think he's not even thinking that there's a possibility that she could just be a different queen, which she becomes. She becomes a powerful, strong leader, and she really grows into the role of queen. Um, But I think because of what women are in the society at this moment, it's hard for Chade to see any other avenue for her to go down. But maybe that's me reading into it. I don't know. I don't think Chade is thinking like that at all. I kind of disagree with you on the way that um, on the way that you think he's thinking that you know, he's thinking about her ruling style and she will not be good. I'm thinking he's saying this because um, he's prepping Fitz to be like she's very alone, she's not fitting in, she's not fit here, you're gonna take care of her mm-hmm. when he says that later. It's, I think he understands more so that she did get the very best learning and tutors and things that she could have gotten for her kingdom. Mm-hmm. But this is a different kingdom, and that's why I think like maybe she won't fit. I think he knows she's going to be a different kind of ruler, but he doesn't know if that's going to be what Buck will accept. Fair enough. So I think, I think Jade is like, she could be good, but... I don't think people are going to like her very much because she's not fitting in well <laughs> Mayor. right Mayor. now. That's that's what I read out of it, at least. And he continues on, like, Fitz is like, what, Verity, you know? Yeah. They're married, but but Verity. <laughs> but they're, they're true love, right? Yeah. And Shade's like, you know, he has little time for her, honestly. You know, he explained this to King Shrewd, and Shrewd and I both kind of ignored him because we were just enraptured with the idea of what the marriage could offer and didn't think that there was going to be a woman here afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't really like have the foresight for that. Right. Which I thought was a great thing for him to admit. Right. But also like Chade. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> a marriage means there's another person here. <laughs> that's like that's what it means. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, I I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting thing because he goes through like yeah Verity told us this he doesn't have time to teach her he can't do anything he has his plate full he's still skilling he's still you know calling people together uh, and train sailors he's building the warships like he's got a lot to do which kind of shows that Chivalry actually or Chivalry oh no Verity is actually a pretty good king yeah. And that he does know, and that he has the knowledge and foresight to say, hey, that's a dumb plan. At least he knows his limitations. Right. At the very which least. Which is a mark of a pretty good leader. Yeah. Um, and which is so sad that he's so down on himself because he obviously would make a good ruler. Mm-hmm. But that's a different I, discussion. Yeah, that is. It's. Yeah, we've gone into it before. Yes. <laughs> um, I was about to add stuff, but I'm like, yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And he says that, like, you know, eventually, were they they just a man and woman, you know, they could care for each other. Yeah. But there are a lot of demands on them, and, you know, soon an heir will be asked of them, 
and, you know, all these kind of different things, and there's no time for themselves. They have no time to get to know one another, let alone care for one another. Right. And Fitz is pained by this, because he is romantic. Fitz is romantic. Like, yeah. That's, it's cute. Yeah, that's what he thinks about him and Molly. Like, mm-hmm. everything will be perfect once we're together. Right. Well, Ketrickin and Verity, like, he saw the moment between Ketrickin and Verity. is like, oh, yes. Yep. True love. <laughs> And they are a good match. They could they be are. something yeah. good. Jada's right. They could have a good relationship. But there's just too much in the way. And then he talks about how chivalry and patience were the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. That uh, they bought their happiness at the cost of political advantages. It was unheard of for the king waiting to marry for love. I'm sure you've heard over and over how foolish a thing that was. And Fitz asks, I'd always wondered if he'd cared. It cost him, Chade said quietly. I don't think he regretted his decision, but he was king in waiting. You don't have that latitude. And and Fitz becomes (laughs) embarrassed because he knows what's coming. Grandpa Chade knows. And he just says, Molly. (laughs) (laughs) And Chade's like, yep, I moved the conversation here because mm-hmm. we need to talk about it it's my boy <laughs> um and he says like you know it was it was one thing when it was down in town you were more or less a boy you know that was fine which goes to show like chade chade pretty much knew everything oh, that sure. was going on um which which is like funny to me fitz was like six years old going down to town stealing from people running around mm-hmm. And, like, just hanging out with, like, the 'er ne'er-do-wells. Yep. And Shade's like, this boy's gonna be my apprentice. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Interesting. He has talent. Yes. But, uh, he says, like, yeah, Patience was remarkably agile at hushing the rumors that started and taking charge. Patience handled it, like, pretty well and and well enough to, to stop those rumors, but tongues did start wagging. People were speculating, like, mm-hmm. who's coming here to see, who's asking after, like, three different people. Stable boy, or Scriber's boy, Fedrin, and right. she described him a couple times before she was led to patience, and then they have that encounter in the hallways. Rumors are going to be started. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, Fitz is, like, trying to, again, explain away this misrepresentation right. of what's happening. Well, he doesn't want Chade to think poorly of Molly. Oh, right, yeah. He doesn't like that he that Chade has called him her the woman. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you know, like, it was just a friendship, and I'm the one who did things wrong. It's not Molly. She didn't do anything. Don't think of her that way. And he says an interesting line... I'd always thought that the friends I made in town, that the time I spent there as new boy belonged to me. I faltered to a halt, hearing only the foolishness of my words. Did you think you could lead two lives? Chade's voice was soft, but not gentle. We belong to the king, boy. Every moment, every day, asleep or awake, you have no time for your own concerns, only his. It's really getting hammered home that, yeah. I mean, it, it already did in previous chapters in, in the book before of like, 
how much the king pretty much owns of him, but now that mm-hmm. Fitz has made the decision to come back to look for Molly and not run away in the Mountain Kingdom, mm-hmm. he is the king's now. It's that's that's it. This chapter feels to me like a wild animal that has just realized that they've been caught in a trap. Yeah. Like the trap has been there, been set off for a while. Great comparison for what's coming later. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> but just, I think it's just the rope slowly tightening around his ankle <laughs> to yeah. pull him up because in his, he truly believed that he had some semblance of his own self. Like, sure, I'm a king's man, whatever, whenever I'm on, whenever it's nine to five, I'm for sure a king's man, but... <laughs> <laughs> Only for calls, 40 hours a week. And if he calls me in for special things, I'll work overtime. That's uh-huh. fine. But I have yeah. most, you know, other times. But otherwise, I, I'm just me. And I think, to be fair, he is a child and was a child when this deal was being made. So it's easy to overlook because he doesn't have as much responsibility yet. But the trap has already been set and he's just now seeing the bars of the cage. Right. And it's kind of sad because we know we've been new (laughs) we've been new (laughs) and and Fitz just is just now coming to terms with yeah I can't lead two lives at the same time and I don't want the assassin one so how do I go back to being just new boy right and he's getting you know disillusioned to that fact so um it sinks into fits, and then he reflects on Chade's life. Mm-hmm. How, you know, Chade is isolated. He's never out and about in Buckkeep because he has to stay in his room or the walls. Mm-hmm. You know, he only ventured forth in disguise. Um, what did Chade have for a life? A chamber, good food and wine, and a weasel for a companion. He was Shrewd's older brother, but for his bastardy he would be on the throne. Was this life a foreshadowing of what mine was to be? And Shade just kind of answers what's on Fitz's face and says, no, I chose this life, boy, because I'm sure he could see sympathy and and just, like, a dismay fear. and fear come over him. But also, I just want to point out, I don't think Fitz knows that there are the wall hallways. I don't True. think he's ever seen anything no, outside this room. He is not. So, like, to his knowledge... It's just this, like, entry in his room up to this chamber. Yeah. It's... Plus, he, plus he probably thinks there's another way out as well. Cause right, right. Obviously, there has to be two entrances. It's mm-hmm. chained. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, and also, how else would he be Lady Time? But, yeah, I don't, I don't think he necessarily knows the scope of... No, Shade's the, hideout. Not that that makes it much better, because he's still living in the walls. Because you can, you can't like stand up straight in those right, hallways. Right. So. But I do want to point out that this is from the viewpoint of this dude literally just lives in a hole in the wall, like this little tiny attic room. Is this, this me? Is all I got. <laughs> We're gonna have to share a room in a few years. <laughs> and Shade, Shade says like, no, I, I chose this life. You know, I had a mistake or an accident, left me scarred. I was almost once as vain as Regal, and I was handsome, but I I ruined my face and I wished myself dead. I didn't stir out of the castle, or my chambers even, and when I went forth, it was in disguises. 
uh, I left Buckkeep, and when I came back, that young, handsome youth noble was dead to everybody. Mm-hmm. So then I was more useful because I no longer existed. And uh, there's more to the story, but you know, <laughs> he's not going to tell Fitz that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he ever tells him. But uh, Chade chose to live the way he did because he was ashamed of how he looked. Right. And since he was so vain, he couldn't come to terms with that changing of fortune of his appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he kind of reinforces, like, it's not something that Shrewd forced me into. I did it myself. Your future may be different, but do not imagine it is yours to command. So yeah, you can you can have a different life than me, but yeah. it's still not yours. You'll probably be out in the open and not have to live yeah. in the walls. Exactly. You'll be more useful to your king mm-hmm. than I am, basically, because you can leave. <laughs> you can be the royal ambassador, but yeah. expendable. Mm-hmm. That Chade probably feels like I, I'm dead. I can't really go out to yeah. different kingdoms except in disguise. So true. Um, and then curiosity prods fits, and he's like, "Oh, is that why chivalry and verity knew of you, but not regal?" And this is like the interesting part that we've talked about before, but I don't think we got the full order correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was an uncle to the two boys while he was still handsome and vain before yeah. the accident and liked the boys and the boys liked him. The accident happens. He leaves Buckkeep and everyone thinks he's dead, comes back and only Shrewd knows of him. Yep. And then when chivalry is made... Um, king in waiting, he's told the secret because it's the spy master, it's the advisor. And Chivalry is like, Yo, it's my uncle! Yeah. This is <laughs> like, awesome! You're sick, alive! I thought you were dead! Hey, bro! Verity, come here! It's uncle! It's Uncle Chain! Remember? Remember? Yeah. <laughs> Although they might know him by his real name because, as we all may or may not remember, chapter four of the yeah. first book. It's like, You can call me Chade. Yeah, like, Chade is not his real name, and we will never know what it is. <sighs> Yeah, I know. I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Did he take on? Did he take on a name when he like was an apprentice as an assassin? Maybe his name was close to Jade, and like Chivalry and Verity couldn't pronounce his real names when they were young. He called him Jade, <laughs> and so then he just went by that. I don't know. Had Canon a cute story into how he has his <laughs> alias, <laughs> his assassin alias. I have to make it a little bit happy, okay? <laughs> But uh, he also mentions that once he was scarred, he kept himself from them, like, before he left and before Chivalry right. found out. And Regal never knew him mm-hmm. um, because his mother had a horror of the pox. And I think she believed all the legends of the pocked man, harbinger of disaster and misfortune. For that matter, she had an almost superstitious dread of anyone who is not whole. You see it in Regal's reaction to the fool. She would never keep a club-footed maid or even a serving man with a missing finger or two. So she for sure did not know about Jade? I think she knew about him. Because, like, I mean, obviously, he was around before... Um, around before uh, he had the accident and left. Right. I think she knew about that he... Oh, this is, like, Shrewd's half-brother. He's an assassin kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, when he died, he was literally only known to Shrewd. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Okay. Is that 
she never knew about him as an assassin. Oh, uh, well. Maybe she knew Lady Time. Maybe she was, was introduced to him as Lady Time. I, I think she did know him as an assassin beforehand because he was being trained since he was a kid, like younger than yeah. uh, younger than Fitz started training. But she wasn't queen when he had his accident. I think she was queen. If Regal was never introduced to him, but he was a re- still pretty to be uncle to the boys when they were young, that leaves a very small window of time. Could have been born. It, uh, Regal could have been born, but just like he never knew Shade because he was too young to remember, or like Shade kept himself after the accident so much. Regal could have been born during that time before he left. I don't know. I feel like I feel like he could have been around, but obviously he didn't know because he said Regal never knew me. I don't know. I feel like when he left, his like short brief time away from the castle whatever happened during that is when in my mind shrewd got married Mm. and when he came back see he only mentions that regal never knew him and that his mother had a horror of the pox so it feels like to me that he kept himself shuttered away and never like went to his brother again or like his wife queen desire at the time because she had a fear of the pox and would never have wanted that interaction I don't know. Hmm. I guess we'll never know unless yeah. unless Robin Hobb writes a something something of before times. <laughs> or even just even if we could just get a little timeline, like give us something to work with, that'd be great. I would... Starting with like Shrewd's coronation. Yes. Like sure, let's go from there. Yeah, even even that like just a brief time from Shrewd's coronation to Fitz's birth would be awesome. <laughs> There's a couple, couple solid events happening, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, give us the timeline of the whole thing, whole world, history. You know? I mean, that would also be great, but way more work. <laughs> so I will settle for, like, birth of Chade on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of time by the end of the series. It's like over 100 years. Yeah, well, ask and you shall receive, you know? There you go. <laughs> um... Fitz feels a twinge of jealousy because Jade is kind of reminiscing about how those two boys were to him, mm-hmm. Verity and Chivalry. And he says, I cannot explain the twinge of jealousy I felt. Well, I can, Fitz. You want to know your dad. And yeah. you wanted to know him, even though you're mad at him forever. <laughs> and you like Verity, so also knowing that. him as Jade did would be awesome to you. <laughs> Fitz brings it back then and asks what he should do. The same thing he asked to Patience, and Patience gave him an answer that he didn't like. So he asks Shade, <laughs> goes to the other parent, and is like, hey, mm-hmm. can I go to the mall with my friends? Yeah. Mom said no, but uh, what, what do you say? Yeah. <laughs> What's your opinion? <laughs> um, and Shade's like, well, Patience gave you good advice for now. You know, ignore and, av- and avoid molly but not obviously you know treat her as if she were a new maid courteously if you encounter her but not familiarly do not seek her out devote yourself to queen in waiting verity will be glad of your distracting her and ketrickin will be glad for a friendly face and if your intent is to win permission to marry molly the queen in waiting could be a powerful ally 
As you divert, Ketra can watch over her well, because there's, you know, there's enemies, there's people who don't want to see an heir produced for Verity. Mm-hmm. So, uh, be wary and alert, keep your guard up. And Fitz is like, is that all? Yeah. <laughs> like, daunted, and, you know, that's a lot, of, lot to ask. Yeah. But, um, it's basically the same advice. And then also, you know, be a companion to Ketrakin. But Shade also dangles that little carrot, like, if you want to marry Molly... Might be good. Might be good to have the queen as your friend. Even though, like, this is straight-up manipulation, I believe, on his part. Because he wants what's best for Fitz, but he also knows Shrewd will never say you can marry Molly. Yep. He will never. (laughs) But what he doesn't know is that Verity probably would say yes. Yeah, yeah, he probably would. Yep. If once they have, like, an heir and everything, he'd be uh-huh. like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, go, for go for it. Go for it, man. <laughs> um, but also, I think this is, like, an interesting little foreshadowing of get close to the queen in waiting because she might be a powerful ally for you to marry Molly. Um, just because the relationship that they have. Yeah. Um all three of them is such an interesting thing especially I'm thinking it's a young teenage boy going to go be friends with an older teenage an older teenage girl that and you know I'm sure this is where it stems Molly's jealousy that she has Mm -hmm. and it grows the relationship between Fitz and Ketrickin because Ketrickin's (laughs) like a year older than Molly even Uh uh-huh and he likes older women, you know? <laughs> Obviously, Molly knows that. <laughs> um, but it's also pretty interesting because Ketrickin's the one who gives him back his status, kind of, ultimately. Yeah. She's kind of the reason he's able to live the life he does. And I don't know, I just, I just thought that was a fun little... He's saying it in a manipulative way but in reality in real life she is a great ally to him and is a friend that he can lean on when he needs help yeah definitely didn't leave on the best of terms but we'll see how that goes in the future chapters (laughs) i'm excited to get to that relationship as well um so then jade is concerned about fitz specifically and he's like Mm -hmm. you know they poisoned you with this well, take it easy, because I've only known one other person to survive. Mm-hmm. And he had seizures his whole re- whole life. Yeah. Um, but he does point out Regal poisoned you with dead root. He says Regal. Regal was, was what was used on you by... Re- er, dead root was what was used on you by Regal? Yeah. So he's acknowledging that Regal tried to kill him. And I thought that was very important. Just that... He talks around it before, but this is the first time he, like, straight up names him. Because mm-hmm. in the previous thing, it says, um, As you divert, Ketrakin, watch over her as well. Bear in mind, there are those whose interests do not support Verity about having an heir. Those same ones who would not be enthused about your having children. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's referring to the people who literally tried to kill him, but he specifically states out Regal in the next section. Right. Well, because... I think partially because Regal actually did this act, and the others are speculation, and you can't speculate against the crown. Right, right, (laughs) yeah. Uh, He says, you know, you're young, you may recover yet, mostly. Um, 
the other man who survived it trembled the rest of his life, and I see small signs of it on you, don't overtire yourself. You know, don't push yourself. Weariness will bring on the tremblings and blurred vision. Push yourself and you'll have fits. Um, you don't want anyone to know you have a weakness, so the best course is to conduct your life in a way that no weakness shows at all. Mm-hmm. And then he asks, uh, was that why there was elf bark in the tea? And Jade raises an eyebrow at him. Tea? Perhaps it was the fool's doing. I, I woke to food and tea in my room. And if it had been Regal's doing? It took a moment for the realization to dawn. I could have been poisoned. But you weren't. Not this time. No, it was neither I nor the fool. It was Lacey. There is someone deeper than you credit. The fool discovered you, and something possessed him to tell patience. While she was flustering, Lacey quietly ordered it all done. I think that privately she considers you as scattered-brained as her mistress. (laughs) Give her the slightest opening, and she will move in and organize your life. Good as her intentions are, you you cannot allow that, Fitz. An assassin needs privacy. Get a latch for your door. And the first part of that I kind of want to just briefly talk about is what we've been talking about for the last few chapters and episodes, that Fitz needs to get his edge back. Yep. And this happens, like, at the start of, like, the half of one book, at least in every single trilogy he's in. Yep. He always gets dulled down and um, very complacent Mm -hmm. when he is away from court intrigue, because he doesn't want the life, and he allows it to dull down he doesn't want to think like that he al- so when he's away he comes back and has to get reminded right he allows himself to buy into fantasies too often and ignores reality a lot yep he'd rather play pretend in his head for as long as possible rather than recognize that oh crap actually things are really bad and i need to pay attention and i think that is another one of his many flaws <laughs> definitely many flaws true uh but the second part is lacy mm-hmm. yeah he he doesn't really know what lacy is capable of doing yeah she's super dangerous like <laughs> yeah she's so cool i love lacy but also it's a really funny description of privately she considers you as scatterbrained as her mistress <laughs> well like mother like son <laughs> yeah honestly yeah they are a little bit similar in some ways. They are. But. Um, and then this is the first time that Chade uses Fitz as a name. And Fitz kind of questions that. And Chade replies, you know, I used boy because it, you know, uh, it's your name, Fitz Chivalry. I'll use it now because it doesn't hurt you anymore. I was yeah. beginning to wear, uh, weary of boy. He knew from the very beginning how much it affected Fitz to be called Fitz. He went through the same thing. Yeah, but it's just like, oh, he's cared about him from the very beginning. And also, what growth that Fitz can be like, not hurt by that name anymore and just be like, yeah, whatever, it's a word. Yeah, because, I mean, when they were first introduced... um, Fitz didn't really have a name at all, mm-hmm. so Shade called him Boy. Right. He kept calling him Boy, but at some point, 
and we know that because Shade knows everything, mm -hmm. Shade would have figured out that everyone else calls him Fitz. Yep. But he never resorted to that because he knows what it's like to grow up as a royal bastard. Do you think he feels it's okay to say Fitz now because of Fitz's conversation with Patience? When he, specifically when he interrupts Patience to say, I am not royal born, mm -hmm. but nothing about his tone there is like hurt that he is a bastard. It's more like, I need to let this woman know I'm not a young boy anymore. And also I'm not a prince. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Do, does Fitz relay the entire conversation word for word to Chade? Because I don't think Chade was listening to them. He seemed to know what her advice was. Maybe he yeah. was listening. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like he just got the sense over. It. It could be that. But I. I, I guess I don't know. I just assume since he knew what patients advised Fitz, that meant that he had um eavesdropped yeah well because they don't talk about it and they wouldn't have talked about it before because Fitz is all like oh no you know about Molly so obviously he wasn't talking about that yeah I don't so. know possible who knows quite possible I don't remember if the descriptions of when Fitz acknowledges or like learns about all the uh the inner walls and the peepholes and stuff if there is a actual peephole to his room well, there's a door to his room yeah there's a door but it's like solid stone so yeah, i don't know that if, solid though well obviously because it opens right so but i'm saying if you stood on one side of it i wonder maybe i don't know either um so they they talk about some other things um and fitz leaves with not a lot of light or day left or night left excuse me he leaves with not a lot of night left about an hour until morning um but he can't sleep anymore so he just kind of is getting angrier at his position in court and um kind of is letting that anger out because he's always felt that anger mm -hmm. about where he was in life and how people treat him and everything like that but these conversations are really driving at home that he is not his own person. Right. He belongs to the king. He can't marry Molly, really. Um, at least, can't even talk to her for a long time. <laughs> yep. So he goes down to Buckheap Town. And it is a cold day, and he's walking down there, and he's just, you know, warming up, and his anger is heating him up, and he's just kind of in his own head about everything. He's trying to clear it, but also... You know, his feet are bringing him to Molly's Chandlery, who, which is now a, you know, a tea shop or whatever. And he's thinking, like, in his head that, you know, Molly and I would have been better apart if we had never met. Mm. Because, you know, she would be doing fine and have her own things and I wouldn't have ruined her reputation. And, you know, she wouldn't have be become a target for Regal and everything like this. He's... He's really spiraling again. Right. Like he normally does. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and he realizes that it's right in front of her old shop, and it is now a tea and herb shop. Just what Buckkeep Town needed. Another tea and herb shop. <laughs> Just a little salty. 
kind of funny considering I walk around our city sometimes and see like <laughs> six coffee shops and there are two of them are Starbucks within like three blocks. So I'm like who's drinking all you of this? I literally just saw the other day. Are you kidding? A fourth pokey shop? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There are so we have many a lot of pokey shops. Where yeah. <laughs> pokey and like sushi and Pokey and teriyaki and like they're all called like similar things. <laughs> it's all in one street. Fits. <laughs> I wondered what had become of Molly's beehives. It gave me a pang to realize that for Molly the sense of dislocation must be ten times, no, a hundred times worse. I had so easily accepted that Molly had lost her father, and with him her livelihood and her prospects. So easily accepted the change that made her a servant in the keep. A servant. I clenched my teeth and kept walking. And even though he's spiraling, at least he gains a sense of empathy for right. her situation and what, like, actually happened. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not, like, you know, gonna drive him to do something because he can't actually talk to her. Right. It just makes him more angry for what actually happened. Mm-hmm. At least he gains that somewhat semblance of a sense of, like, this is way worse for her than it is for me yeah i was also happy to hear him or see him uh acknowledge that fact yeah so he uh he wanders around aimlessly he sees there's a lot more people in town it's bustling because you know the ships are bringing more people in you have to build more things whatever and he stops in a tavern that he used to go to with uh dirk carrie and molly um, and drinks a beer and just listens in to get the lay of the land, see the talk. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the ship construction that had bolstered Buckkeep Town's prosperity. He already put out a call for sailors to man the warships, and a lot of people answered. There's a lot of resentment and uh, feelings of revenge and, um, you know not a lot of prospects or people who lost their livelihoods that are driving all of these people to flock in and answer that call. Right. Well, and there's not a whole other lot of options. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wartime. They need sailors. It's a job. Mm-hmm. They might be soldiers, not yeah. just sailors. If they're not cut out to be the yeah. sailors, they can become soldiers. And a lot of people are in town called there eager to shed red ship blood. Including, including some out islanders yeah the displaced out islanders who were probably raided and fled for safety right um you know Hod was training them like in in weapons and winnowing them down to see who's fit for sailors and there then he hears a discussion about how an out islander was beat on the docks and no one called the patrols the town patrols for it some businesses in town would not sell to them, being the Out Islander people. Like, things are really bad for Out Islander immigrants, who yeah. are also, by the way, being affected by this war. And they are fleeing from the hardships. Their buckkeep aren't the only ones being affected, and the duchies as a whole aren't the only ones being affected. And it's really sad to see them unable to notice people who are also hurting who have also been affected and right. instead of like working together to become a stronger force they're destroying that too right it's really a, hard an ugly charged undercurrent in the busy tavern 
And they're even like speculating that all the Out Islanders are spies. Um, and that burning them all out would be wise and sensible precaution. And mm-hmm. Fitz can't stomach it anymore and leaves. He's he's done with all these intrigues and all this suspicion and everything like that. This is an extremely divided country, or at least city, right now. Right. Very charged with animosity towards the Out Islanders. And mm-hmm. it is a freaking miracle that 20 years later... They're marrying into a, an right. Outlander family. Right. That really goes to show... Like the propaganda machine that is Chade. <laughs> yeah, for real, that he's very <laughs> powerful. But Ooh. also, if this this war hadn't ended with Faraday as dragon, mm-hmm. like, destroying all of them, these feelings would have built and built and built, because it right. wouldn't have been an easy end to the war. Right. And there is still animosity towards Outlanders, even in the later books. Oh, yeah. They hate how... A lot, uh, of their co- a lot of the culture and everything. Yeah, and they don't like that the princes go to visit the mother house so often. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, they, yeah, it's just... It's, it's really interesting. It makes sense politically, but how they pulled it off is a freaking mm. miracle. <laughs> True. Which is probably why they accepted um the the narwhals narcheska eliana mm-hmm. and everything so eagerly because the family was reaching out to marry into them yeah i don't i don't know Virginia it's just Gatham? a yeah it's an interesting bridge to the next next trilogy yeah next fits trilogy i should say <laughs> um he is walking around he's super angry from his walk down and thinking about his place in court he is sick of all the suspicion and the hatred there and it's just descriptions of anger after anger after hatred building up here merciless wind prowled the twisting streets promising snow the same angry cold twisted streets er, uh, turned inside me switching from anger to hatred to frustration and back to anger again building to an unbearable pressure they had no right to do this to me. I had not been born to be their tool. I had a right to live my life freely, to be who I was born to be. Did they think they could bend me to their will, use me however they could, and I would never retaliate? No, a time would come. My time would come. Can I just point out the irony? And I had not been born to be their tool. I had a right to live my life freely, to be who I was born to be. Which is the fool's tool, so... (laughs) Like, literally, he was born as a tool to change life as a whole for everyone. Society writ large. Fitz is such a tool. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I just read those two lines and it really made me giggle, considering he is... He is basically just... Just a tool. That's, like, literally what he was born to be. So... Little sad. Yeah. He's walking through the streets and people are like looking at his face and stepping out of his way hurriedly because I'm sure he's scary looking. Scary looking right now. Um, I felt my anger burnt, building to an unbearable heat. The wind whipped at my hair, sought to chill me, but I only strode faster and felt the strength of my hatred grow hotter. It lured me and I followed it like the scent of fresh blood. Turned a corner and found myself in the market. And he makes his way 
past a bunch of people, and came to the animal vendor's stall and stood face to face with myself. He was gaunt with bleak dark eyes. He glared at me balefully, and the waves of hatred pulsing out from him washed over me in greeting. Our hearts beat to the same rhythm. I felt my upper lip twitch as if to snarl up and bare my pitiful human teeth. I straightened my features, battered my emotion back under control. But the caged wolf cub, with the dirty gray coat, stared up at me, and lifted his black lips to reveal all his teeth. I hate you, all of you. Come, come closer, I'll kill you. I'll rip out your throat after I hamstring you. I'll feast on your entrails, I hate you. You want something? Blood, I said quietly, I want your blood. What? I jerked my eyes from the wolf up to the man. He was greasy and dirty. He stank. Fael, how he reeked. So. Oh, welcome, Night Eyes. What a good pup. Uh, before we get into <laughs> that real quick, yeah, he's so well behaved right now. Um, the first paragraph I read a little bit ago, uh, they had no right to do this to me. I had not been born to be their tool, all of that. He was already sharing a mind with Night Eyes in my mind like they had already latched onto each other they they share so much they are caged to where they are they both want to be free they hate the people around them who are you know forcing them to do these things fitz isn't one to dwell on his anger so much at other people he directs it at himself almost yeah. all the time he okay. internalizes it this is an extreme outward reaction to everything around him, and it's just building and building and building and driving him on, quote, aimlessly. Mm -hmm. And then the next part is, I felt my anger building to an unbearable heat because it's just, it's reflecting. It's a, basically a mirror, and they're reflecting back at one another. Mm -hmm. And it lured me and followed, and I followed it like a scent of fresh blood. So he's just following this strong, intense feeling that he's getting. That's just keeps increasing as he gets closer to stare in this mirror. And it says, I came to the animal vendor's stall and stood face to face with myself. They've, they've both been, you know, alone and angry at the world that has trapped them. They both want revenge. They felt injustice. They're both injured and abused. And... They literally have latched onto one another so hard, so quickly because of that strong emotion. I don't know. It's. I feel like this is. Fitz later on says like, oh, I don't want to bond this person, right. but like, <laughs> I feel like this is the beginnings of like too deep of a bond that Black Rolf would be like, no, 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 no. There's has, there has to be walls and separation between self. Mm -hmm. This is already past that point. Yeah. And the start of like their way too close relationship and bonding hmm. it's just being bonded by this extreme hatred and anger and emotion yeah interesting i guess i didn't realize how quickly it probably was mostly night eyes fueling this i didn't even think about like what you said that it's normally hatred based inwards i just figured he's just really mad right now he had a little bit to drink and it's like more on his mind and that like brings in the hatred from the outside and maybe it is a little bit that he's in a state of mind right now to be angry anyway and that like 
anger go like goes to like so yeah. it's just like the anger attracts the other anger but like as you said that i realized like yeah no this is probably all night eyes i don't and, think it's all night eyes well no, i think it's, it's still some of the anger that he feels it's just he never expresses it right but i think it's being all brought towards the surface because of night eyes right right and i don't think I thought that before, so I'm like, oh, whoa, wait. <laughs> but I also <laughs> feel really dumb because whenever it says I came to the animal vendor stall and stood face to face with myself, I straight up this whole time, every reread, oh, no. have been thinking that he's talking about the vendor. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the smelly man? Yeah. <laughs> Covered like, in his own droppings? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's he seems pretty poor, and like <laughs> I don't think he's covered in his droppings. I just assumed it was like the senses yeah, of this, night eyes yeah. making it smell it like is, worse. Yeah. And this whole time, I straight up like those bleak dark eyes glared at me, and the waves of hatred pulsing. Like I thought, because he has the wit, he could feel that this guy hates everybody too, and like. This is, must be what I look like right now because I'm so angry and hate everybody. <laughs> no, 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 he's yeah. It, it's literally the he's literally looking at night eyes, but yeah. it's it's cool. Face to face with himself because they're sharing a mind basically in that strong emotion already. That that is himself. That is right, like yeah. that hatred and that anger built up, and um, it's so intense right away that when the vendor asks like what do you want Fitz responds blood I want your blood because that's the hatred that Night Eyes is feeling yeah he literally Night Eyes literally wants to kill everybody around him right now because he's so abused and Fitz like jerks his his eyes away and tries to separate himself and um is having an extremely hard time not grabbing you know the oak stick that this vendor has and beating his brains in because mm -hmm. that's the stick he uses to beat the, the animals. animals and he had little ferret eyes and cruel dirty hands he wore thick boots on his kicking feet he stepped too close to me and i gripped my cloak to keep from killing him like he is such an incredibly intense bond and moment already yeah that Fitz is having to struggle to separate himself out mm -hmm. and he, he barely chokes out wolf I, I want the wolf right away no intention of, of buying any animal when he went into Bucky town but yeah. immediately like gotta get the wolf <laughs> right um he nudged the cage with his foot and I sprang at it, clashing my teeth against the wooden bars, bruising my muzzle again, but I didn't care. If I could just get one grip on his flesh, I'd tear it loose or and never let go. And again, it's talking in the first person from Night Eye's perspective. They're living in each other's brains mm -hmm. right now. What do you think Fitz looks like right now? Oh like my God. while he's, he's got to be scary. <laughs> I'm just wondering if like he looks like an idiot and he's like drooling a little bit because he's like not actually in his own mind right now. I don't think they're they're directly like Fitz is putting his whole brain into Night Eyes. I think mm -hmm. they're just meeting in that mutual space, sharing each other's thoughts and emotions. So I think like they're he's struggling to put the wall down to separate the two of them, but they're still like each individually in control and only in their own 
Mm-hmm. Mines are just getting that bleed over, that intense bleed over. Right. Because Fitz, like, he his voice sounded guttural and choking. Like, he's mm-hmm. he wants to growl, he wants to snap, but he's, like, in charge of his own body, kind of, and just, barely, like... Barely, yeah. Barely, like, I just... Oh, my God, this guy! <laughs> <laughs> um, and Fitz says, No, get back. Get out of my head. I shook my head clear my head to clear it the merchant regarded me strangely because i'm sure he was like looking down kind of growling trying to get a hold of himself tense and then all of a sudden fitz kind of like shakes his head flaps it and then like flatly with no emotion states uh i know what i want (laughs) (laughs) refusing the wolf's emotions and he uh haggles yeah Yeah, he gets sized up and he tries to haggle with this guy because he doesn't have a lot of money says he has seven coppers total and the the vendor's like i want to get some silvers for him Mm -hmm. and i'm assuming it's like 10 copper to a silver right yeah and fitzasic is using his assassin training to come up with a reason that he would want a wolf and so he's going to use him for dog fighting um and the guy is like oh he'd be a great fighter just look at him and then Fitz is like no 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 I'm just gonna feed him to the other dogs like cause he doesn't want to raise the price he doesn't he's doing everything he can to make this seem like not worth his time and he's mentally yelling at night eyes to like be quiet don't look aggressive I'm trying to save you trying to get you your freedom and at the same time while he's doing all this there are a bunch of bird badly beaten birds in cages and he tells one of the birds a crow hey maybe go after that shiny bug right there and you might find freedom and he's like literally saving trying to save as many animals as possible it's crazy speaking of the crow doesn't even like move it's a different bird who goes and tries to get the door open but he also is uh repelling and pushing away night eyes into the cage to make him cower right to make him look weak and and you know mild and like not a fighter so he can get him for cheaper Mm -hmm. and with that bird trick like it works later as a distraction like he's still haggling this whole time it's like the vendor's like oh he'd make a fine fighter here look at this this is what he did to me he bit me and <laughs> yeah. Fitz is like that looks infected you think you'll lose the hand <laughs> secretly hoping yeah oh yeah like it better <laughs> um he's like yeah it'll make you a fine fighter and stuff and and Fitz lowballs him but it's literally you know 90 percent of his money like uh-huh. hey i'll give you six coppers for him um and the guy, of course, is like, oh, yeah, you know, I want him for more than that. I could get six coppers for his hide alone right now. And Fitz continues to lean closer to the cage, pushing and repelling. So mm-hmm. it looks like the wolf is cowering from him and hiding back in the corner. And he's like, oh, it looks sick to me. You know, storm's coming, by the way. Like, we got to get this done soon. Yeah. I got to get back to my master. And then at that moment his trick with the birds works yep two birds fly out and the crow is kind of like slowly walking away because the crow is the most badly beaten yep and Fitz kind of steps in the way of that view just to give him more time give him more time to get out and when the two birds originally fly away the vendor kind of leaps after him and Fitz takes a tumble and takes him with him and they Uh kind of roll on the ground and pretends outrage and 
since the crow didn't fly away yet, when he stands up, he knocks the cage a bit so the crow flies uh-huh. and makes the vendor lose money. And the yeah. vendor is mad, but he fakes that he's mad back, that he tore his coat and his right. master wouldn't be pleased or whatever, and he's just going to walk away like he won't buy anything. <laughs> and him walking away after this really puts the man in a desperate position. Um, and he says, nine coppers. Uh, he offers suddenly, desperately. He'd sold nothing that day, I'd wager. And Fitz is like, no, I'm going home. Yeah, I've got Good no luck way to the take storm. him. Like it's. Yeah. <laughs> and then the you know the the guy the merchant agrees finally fine give me the six coppers, and Fitz just to give him more grief is like <laughs> oh are you gonna cart him to where I live, and the guy's like you're robbing me just take, take him it. and go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really clever like whole scene. Yeah. That um. That we don't get a lot of from first person view of like him manipulating a conversation to get what he wants. Right. Um, there's not a lot of that. There's there's a lot of talk about how he can do those things. Mm-hmm. But this is the first, you know. In practice of him thinking quickly on his feet yeah. in a stressful situation. And getting what he wants. Yeah. And it working out. <laughs> Which also kind of shows how powerful he is on his own and that he really mm-hmm. could take over if he wanted to. Yeah. So he has a cage with a wolf in it that is very young, younger than he thought, abused, injured, Mm -hmm. and very angry. And he asks, now what am I going to do with you? And Night Eyes, in his mind, says, let me out, free me. Mm -hmm. He understands all the conversation, the thoughts that Mm -hmm. Fitz is having, but can't quite grasp... Fitz's response to this, he's like, I can't, it's not safe. Because he's thinking, like, if he turns mm-hmm. the wolf loose in town, like, he's never going to make it. Yeah, he'll get free. lost, and somebody will kill him just because he's a wolf. Yeah. And... So, Night Eyes, of course, like, since he's abused, and he doesn't fully, he's still an animal, he doesn't fully right. understand concepts like that, the nuanced, nuanced concepts, mm-hmm. instantly thinks that he's like the other man. Mm-hmm. He's there to trap him. He's, um, you, you'd keep me in this cage, would you? I'll kill you, I'll rip your belly out and tussle with your guts. <laughs> very, very graphic descriptions of, like, I'll just kill you because, you know, I'm yeah. a wolf. Like, <laughs> rawr, I'm, like, six months old, Very young, yeah, very young of everything is, I'll kill you. I, I definitely could kill you even though I'm in a cage and bruised and yeah. you're not. <laughs> but Fitz tries to get him back into his place and just complacent like no you'll get back and pushes at him harder and that works a little bit um night eyes kind of shrinks back in a corner and and fitz tries to you know carry the the cage around and has to do it in very short jaunts Mm because it's heavy and awkward because it's a huge cage right with like a wolf who's staying on the outside edge of it he has to take a lot of breaks because he doesn't want to overexert himself. Yep. But he's very skinny. He's full grown. He guesses that Night Eyes will weigh as much as Fitz does. Fitz does. And he inquires after how Night Eyes was captured. Yeah. Like where he came from. He does have to ask twice because the first answer from Night Eyes is, <laughs> I hate you. So I hate you! <laughs> 
You were like a brother to me. Okay. <laughs> Wrong series. Um, and Night Eyes shares a memory. <laughs> Don't laugh. I at have me. the high ground. <laughs> That's Fitz saying, I have the high ground here. <laughs> Don't try it. <laughs> and then Night Eyes coming out of the cage anyway. I hate you. <laughs> Um, and Night Eyes shares memories of how he remembers um, a den and two other brothers and a mother who brought him fish and how they were smoked out of their den and that he was dragged out last and thrown in the cage it sm- and he smelled like ferrets and kept alive on carrion and hate and hate was what he had throve upon and that's what he learned he grew up on that hatred from the man and has that hatred alone now. And Fitz, Fitz is like, oh, you were whelped late if your mother was feeding you on the fish runs. And <laughs> just the next line, he sulked at me. This is just really <laughs> funny to me. Right. Well, they're so similar and it's crazy. It's almost like they're, I don't want to say the term soulmates because that has like a romantic connotation and that's not what I mean. But like, just two beings but if you take out the romantic connotations they are soulmates yeah they're just the same person just in different bodies and i don't know i think they gain a lot from each other they're all meant to be the wolf of the west the stone wolf at the end Mm, yeah (laughs) um but uh fits while he's carrying this is contemplating like i'm not gonna bond him just gonna get him free sure fits i promised biric that I wouldn't do anything, and I told myself I would not bond with any other creature. I'll just, you know, feed him and then turn him loose somewhere. Burek need never know. I would not have to face his disgust. Which is such a sad line. It It's just been a couple weeks since they reconciled. Right. Since Fitz made a promise to himself not to because he cares for Burek and his relationship so much. Yeah. And obviously, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Um, and I mean, yeah. come on, Fitz. There's a weak animal in front of you that happens to be a dog, and you have an affinity for dogs, so let's be real. <laughs> and then the next line here um, just goes to show again how intertwined their brains already are. Fitz is just going on this thought, and at the end here, who would have thought such a mangy little cub could be so heavy? Night Eyes replies instantly, not mangy, indignant, bugs. The cage is full of bugs. So it's just like, he can't follow these super complex thoughts, but he's always listening and in Fitz's mm-hmm. thoughts already. Yep. They, they just bond so quickly. Yep. But he lowers the cage to a snowy ground because the road is going to be super steep and he knows that he can't carry mm-hmm. night eyes up the wolf the cub the wolf cub as Fitz knows him as yes, right now because we do not know that his name is night eyes yet yes um and Fitz tells him like I'm gonna take you out and I'm gonna carry you like, don't don't do anything don't try anything <laughs> don't try it <laughs> <laughs> um it's- there's it's literally the same scene yeah but also it's kind of like that that video of the mom that's like, what do you have there? The little boy's like, a nut! 
life. No. <laughs> oh, what a good video. There's there's nothing, there's no response from Night Eyes. So when Fitz opens up the, the door to grab him and reaches in to, to grab him, Night Eyes explodes in action and tries to kill Fitz. And Fitz is able to get an arm up and his forearm into the jaws of Night Eyes. Um, his lair jerkin protects him from the hind leg scratches. And he's able to wrestle him down to the ground with his experience wrestling dogs mm-hmm. like that. And stares him in the eyes, holds him by the throat, and is just like, I am the wolf. You are the cub. You will obey me. And makes him stare at his eyes as Night Eyes look away, and when he looks back, he's still staring and asserting his dominance. Yeah. Which is what you have to do, but he's also already associating himself with the wolf. Right. <laughs> like, he's... Yeah. He's captured. This is... Yep. <laughs> this is This is Fitz trying to explain away, like, oh... No, no, no. No, 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 no. I it can wasn't, walk away from this. It this wasn't is... love at first sight. It wasn't at all. <laughs> this is nothing. This means nothing to me. <laughs> don't, don't... Don't look away from me petting this poor pup. I, I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fitz lets go, because he notices the change in his eyes. I'm sure it was just the eyes, Fitz, that right. you recognize the change in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steps away and the wolf lies still and Fitz has to command, like, get up, come here. I'm not going to hurt you because, you know, Night Eyes is on his belly, like, yeah. supplicating, basically, like, yeah. you are the master of me. But Fitz is like, I'm not going to hurt you. You have to come with me. And realizes that Night Eyes is incredibly hurt. And uh, he asks that, where are you hurt? And he sees in his mind the brass-bound club of the cage man. Everywhere is the response. I tried to be gentle as I felt him over. Old scabs, lumps on his ribs. I stood and kicked the cage savagely aside from our path. He came and leaned against my leg. Hungry. Cold. So tired. His feelings were bleeding over into mine again. When I touched him, it was difficult to separate my thoughts from his. Was it my outrage over how he had been treated, or his own? I decided it didn't matter. I gathered him up carefully and stood. Without the cage, held close to my chest, he didn't weigh nearly as much. He was mostly fur and long-growing bones. I regretted the force I'd used on him, but also knew it was the only language he would have recognized. I'll take care of you, I forced myself to say aloud. Warm, he thought gratefully. And I took a moment to pull my cloak over him. What a good pup. So sad. Just needs some loving. Yeah. I just, I hate how badly he's been treated. I know this is a fictional animal, but still (laughs) sad to hear about. Fitz knows of a, a disused cottage. Um, that he can stash Night Eyes in. And instead of the uh, the conviction of, I'll just feed him and let him go, he now says, a week or two, maybe a month, mm-hmm. and he'd be healed up and strong enough to care for himself. Right. Then I'd take him out west to Buckheap and turn him loose. Meat? I sighed. Meat, I promised. Never had any beast sensed my thoughts so completely or expressed his own to me so clearly. It was good that we would not be around one another for long. 
very good, that he'd be leaving soon. Warm, he contradicted me. He set his head atop my shoulder and fell asleep, his muzzle snuffling damply against my ear. What a good pup. That's a good wolf pup that just tried to kill me. Yeah. I'll keep you for a week or two, maybe a month. Good thing we're not going to be around because you're so cute. (laughs) I think part of what brings them together is how alone they both are. Oh, yeah. They're both very lonely. They share a lot of similar feelings. Yeah. A lot. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. It's really sad that Fitz, a human being, can be compared to a beaten wolf cub in a cage. But Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> but it is pretty accurate at the moment, so... And... Fitz isn't happy at the world, but he has a task. Like yeah. Birk said before, like um, you you get better taking care of someone else, right? <laughs> um, Bringing up Birk while he's I know like <laughs> contradicting what Birk would want is prime, it's, but it's, yeah. it is true. It it you, is technically what Birk told him to do. Yeah, you feel better after taking care of someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, was that for Smithy? Did he give him Smithy to to look after after he was uh like really sick and injured from Galen, right? Yeah, I think so. He had to like take yeah. care of the horses and stuff, yeah. Um so I mean that's that's kind of what he's reaching out to do. He wants to help this wolf and in doing so, he will help himself as well. I mean, he gets a friend out of it. Yeah. It's a it's a rough chapter for him overall, though. I mean, he he has the beginnings of something that can make him happy briefly, right? Um, but he is told no so many times in this yeah. chapter, just like no, no, you, you can't do anything that the king doesn't tell you to do. Very long chapter of no's. <laughs> yep. Very exciting chapter, though. We yeah. finally meet uh, Night Eyes. We get introduced to the good pup. We get to see more of Patience and Lacey. Mm-hmm. Also, a little glimpse of the Fool, which is super nice. And yeah. Chade again. Yeah. Whole, whole town's back. <laughs> <laughs> Band's back together. Yep. I do want to comment briefly here that Night Eyes is very young. Mm-hmm. And that is frowned upon as well. Yes. Um, in the witted society. In the, yeah, in the old blood community. And it's... I feel like like they have to bond together because they're like perfect for one another, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's looked down upon for a reason, right? Because I'm sure like emotions rule so much of these younger animals. They don't have that sense of self of, you know, this is my life, that's yours. Mm-hmm. It's just this is our life now. This is my life now. Is ours? Yeah. And so, so there's not that separation. It's less of an animal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we see a little bit later, Night Eyes not loving how much of a human he's becoming. Yeah. And it is interesting to think about how much of a wolf's perspective he brings in to the relationship, considering how little of time he's spent as a, a true wolf. Yeah. Um, But 
I but suppose also, it's like his nature. Yeah. Or that's. I mean, he was raised for a while by two brothers and a mother as true. well, so he had that. He was probably taught quite a bit. Um, but also, we see later on older Fitz kind of reflect back, I think in the Tawny Man trilogy, and ask an old Night Eyes, like, hey, mm-hmm. ever, you know, miss being a wolf? Like, yeah. I feel bad about. You know, making you understand complete sentences <laughs> yeah. and complex thought <laughs> and complex thought and things like that. And Night Eyes has come to terms with his life, and he is he enjoyed it at the end. But mm-hmm. there's definitely that confrontation coming of, you know, there are boundaries. Fitz tries to establish those boundaries, like mm-hmm. we we can have our own private time, mostly because he's embarrassed because he's with Molly, right? Um, which is. A weird conversation we'll get to later. Oh, can't wait. uh, When they're sharing minds. Um, But also, Night Eyes tries to go out to a wolf pack later as well. Yeah. Um, In the third book, I believe. Yeah, I think you're And he's gone for, I don't know, a week or something, maybe less. And it's just not for him. Because he's too human. So they're just like, I don't know. They're so alone, and they find each other, and they're happy together mm-hmm. but also because of that bond they separate themselves out further from everybody else right because even yeah Fitz is a lone wolf in old blood society because he is doing so many taboo things and it is interesting that like <laughs> and he's a, a separated from the rest of society because he is old blood <laughs> yep <laughs> I think it's interesting that society has such a bad view of old blood when they all so strongly are against Fitz and Night Eye's relationship. Yeah. I mean, they accept it because he didn't know what he was doing, but they're still like, mm, pretty bad that you did that, and they don't yeah. let him live it down, really. So, I don't know, it's just... It's because, I'm, I mean, we'll get into that a little bit later, but I think it's because of their past and how they've been persecuted that they look down on that so much. They yeah. don't want to draw the attention That's of anybody fair. else. That's a good... Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they ostracize themselves with this connection. Mm-hmm. Fitz is more openly witted to everybody, even if it's not, you know, he doesn't tell everybody. He, mm-hmm. It's much more obvious with a companion by him. And he's not super accepted, like you said, into the old blood community. And then Night Eyes becomes too human of a wolf to be a wolf. So it's it's an interesting dynamic. I don't know, I'm excited. Night Eyes is uh, one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> little smile on little, your face. Little Anakin. <laughs> little, little Annie. <laughs> That's how I'm going to think of him now. <laughs> well, thanks so much for sticking through this, uh, this long episode here. If you want to talk about any of those relationships or, you know, how incredibly intelligent Patience is and adept at that she is now... Mm-hmm. at court life but how it must have felt back then the similarities between her and molly or you know conversations yeah. between you know chivalry and her and how similar chivalry and fits are please let us know reach out to us speak about any of your thoughts on this chapter or the books in whole as a whole uh, where it is fits happy uh, social media is uh twitter facebook instagram i think that that's everything yep yeah and um, email us at isfitshappy at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.
Okay, so now we're going to talk about the stuff that you guys sent in. Um, we'll start off with Instagram. Uh, this time we had ooh, Adele Devic. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just, anytime I say week, yeah. anybody's name, I'm going to apologize afterwards and assume I'm doing it wrong. Um, but they let us know um, they agree that Molly's misunderstanding is patience is the one most responsible for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's mostly patience's fault. Um, which we agree with, obviously, because we brought it up. But yeah. Um, but it's good to know other people also agree. And it's it's probably a fairly rash reaction since Fitz had just gotten there, basically. Mm-hmm. So she had a little bit more time to reflect and think about what she was going to say when he was sick and came back for this chapter. Yes. But uh, yeah, that first meeting there was a little, <laughs> a little misunderstanding. Yeah, just a tad. Um, and then we'll move on to Facebook. We have a comment from uh, Joel on last week's episode. Uh, talking about how um, how Verity and Fitz were talking and that Verity's acid-edged comments is Verity's way of reminding to be careful, like Birk's warning earlier on. Like I, I think I mentioned that before yes. in the episode. Um, I like that interpretation of that, um, but obviously it's it's up for interpretation. Yeah. So Part of a work of art and all that. But yeah, yeah. no, that is a good way to read it too mm-hmm. he also mentions that uh fitz's gift to patience is extra special because early in the first book patience complains about the quality of herbals in the six duchies uh, especially regarding the color which i had forgotten about but yeah, once he wrote too. it it was like during her conversation when he brought her the uh the painting and he's yeah. like oh there's there's a lack of like who did this like there's such a lack of you know true color and seeing what Mm-hmm. is actually there in the herbals and stuff like that um it is funny which is that, great to point out yeah it's funny that we both forgot considering we went on that whole big tangent about his art skills yeah. but um <laughs> both of his gifts to her that have been good have been related to art yeah or something that she mentioned around that art which is love that just a little connection not really <laughs> anything super important but <laughs> yeah. but that is i mean it was a good thing to point out though because I mean, I definitely would have just not even thought about it that way. And I love things that make their relationship better in any form. <laughs> right. But the, the, the Verdi and Fitz conversations, I, I want to stick on that topic because um, we got an email from Keith. And he has two nephews that he's close to and is speaking from experience when he's talking or thinking about this relationship mm-hmm. between Fitz and Verity, they don't really have that close familial tie but uh, he says that there were times as his two nephews grew up when they would assert their, their adulthood and that he would be taken aback by it but mm. not angered necessarily yeah. and that from time to time he'll still push back and assert his dominance but it's always kind of in fun as it's colored by pride in their growth. So um, while he says it could be close to that, their relationship, Verity and Fitz's relationship, is complicated by the fact that they don't really know each other. Mm. Verity's been keeping an eye on Fitz, and he's starting to develop a friendship with him, but he's they're trying to figure out that baseline of like, 
Yeah. You know, where do we actually stand as friends, as uncle and nephew, as, you know, uh, I'm Colleagues. your king. As your, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boss and worker. Yeah, they, they don't really know where that stands at the moment. And I thought that was a really good perspective to bring up and yeah. talk about. Um, because I don't have that perspective personally. Um, I do have nieces, but... And I guess one nephew. I have not met him yet. Yeah. He's very young. <laughs> so I guess in like 12 years when they try to... When you meet them <laughs> uh, and try to like... They try to like order you around and like make demands on you. You'd be I like, did, hey. <laughs> one of my nieces a few years ago did... She was like 12 and she tried to call me little girl... And that was very entertaining. Um, but so I guess I've never thought it through that lens. But it is good to hear um, someone with real world experience. So Yeah. Um, and then he has a second part to this email talking about uh, dealing with Regal. Mm. And we had a big discussion on that in general. How, you know, um, you didn't think like he did anything smart in that situation yeah basically and i'm like you know he did kind of the best he could yeah to appease him um and keith is talking about how in feudal systems power is all about perception and how the nobles have to you know and the subjects particularly have to think that you're the most powerful the wisest and the fairest otherwise people will grab for the the crown you know, they'll, they'll go yeah. for it, which I think is a little bit too cutthroat for this society. Mm-hmm. I think like this common people yeah, um, would not make that chance because they're like, oh, no, we don't have any power at all. <laughs> yeah. The nobles I France. can see. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bring the guillotine. <laughs> um, but I think the uh, the nobles, yes, and the dukes, mm-hmm. yeah. the, duchy, the the duchesses definitely could make that grab if they saw the farseers particularly failing and they kind of do with fits later on but it's with a farseer still Mm -hmm. so i think that is so ingrained in them that (laughs) still has that's a little yeah kind of the chosen Um, one but he goes on to say that dealing with regal has to be delicate because all the nobility is watching and every action is going to be looked at right that's Um, fair that's a fair point and the last thing like kind of I didn't really like say it straight out, but the last thing that six duchies needs is a civil war. He mentions in here, which was mm. I was kind of getting around. Like he has to, he already right. has to make a decision where the inland duchies don't overtly try to make a move to get Regal as their leader. Right. They have to be somewhat cohesive still, and they can't split off. That's. But do you think? I mean, do you think there would be a civil war if Regal tried to split off, or would they just kind of like? I think they be bloodshed. They want to be split off. Shrewd would not let them have two countries. Right. And then um, Keith mentions in here that they would have war on two fronts. Then That's in fair. front of them on the coast and behind them in the inland duchies. Um, and again, we want to reiterate that a lot of the food, the wealth, and like that sort of stuff yeah. came from the inland duchies. Well, during this time, yeah. Yeah. Um, because there's no trade going. Yeah. I was going to say, they could just starve them out, except no, they couldn't, so... So, so he he agrees that I was correct, that they have to appease all the duchies, but then says that um, you were more correct about the, quote, punishment Verity arranged for Regal, that it does give him more power to usurp Verity and Trude, mm-hmm. 
because that happens later, obviously. And that his, that Verity's mistake is that he hates the administrative side mm-hmm. um, and assume that Regal would also hate and fail at that. Yep. So he underestimates Regal a little bit. Agree. And except for his greed, that Regal is well-suited for court administration, really excels at it, and he's the most, like, shrewd out of all of the boys. Yeah. yeah. Which, I, I don't know if I agree with that point either. Mm. I can see that he's the most, like, shrewd in his manipulations, and is dealing with some of that, but in the overall, you know, most, like, shrewd out of all the brothers, I still think chivalry is. Okay. I don't know. I, I like, because we don't get... A, I know you mentioned it early in the episode, but because <laughs> we don't get a lot of chivalry and we have a lot of rose-colored nostalgia about how chivalry was so great, we mm-hmm. don't see a lot of his failings. So, for a lot of this... I could be completely wrong about his character, but from what we know, he was... Yeah, he's good the, at his job. Yeah, he was going to be the best possible candidate that Trude could have ever raised. I think <laughs> I think Chivalry and Regal are very similar. I think they're just two sides of the same coin. One was raised by Queen Desire and one was raised by Shrewd and, and a loving Chade. <laughs> yes, and also, though... And had a brother who loved him instead <laughs> yes. of a half brother. One who was who... surrounded in love and one was surrounded yeah. in hate. It's Draco and Harry. They're the same person. <laughs> it's just raised differently. So I don't know. That'll probably spark some conversation too. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if you Draco and Harry are the same, huh? I mean, aren't they though? <laughs> they're both expected to do great things in their different circles. Yeah. Um, anyway, stop talking about a different series again. Sorry. I think it's like the third time this um, <laughs> this podcast or this episode that we've talked about different Welcome series. Welcome back to our podcast about yes. everything but Fitz Chivalry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is Draco happy? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, imagine, he says, it's a final closing statement here. Imagine the six duchies if Chivalry, the ultimate diplomat, was king, with Verity at his right hand as his general, and Regal on his left as his prime minister, and Fitz betrothed to Ketrikin. What a waste. <laughs> true. That's true. The I don't ultimate. Would, do you think if Chivalry was still alive, that Verity would still be married to Ketrikin? Because mm, I think yes. That's... Either him or Regal. That's fair because they're they still do. gonna want that that seventh duchy. I'm in this scenario though, with no ill will on Regal's side and presumably also his mother's side. Fitz might have been accepted as a royal, and they could That's have. True. They could have had him marry the close by one and have the uh-huh. two sons as further like Chalced and maybe a different yeah. country. And he, I mean. He Man. has most time to devote to a foreign queen. Think of Regal in Chalced. He would do so well. I think he'd do well in... Well, I think... Uh, it's hard to say, because he's not a fighter. So I That's don't true. think he'd do super well, in, unless he was able to get an in and not be like attacked for being how weak he was, and then he would do so well. <laughs> I don't know. He reminds me of Elise's husband in some way Regal does. Mm. And I feel like he wasn't necessarily a fighter either. He just hated women. Yeah, and Hob really uh, writes those manipulative, <laughs> hateable people that you yeah. really just want to punch in the face. Right. Um, yeah. But Hest. Yeah. And he's really hot, and like most of the men in Chalced like men. I'm just saying, he'd be fine. 
<laughs> do they? Yeah, I thought that's they looked where... down on that. Elise's husband is Chalcedian, is he not? No. But they go to Chalced all the time to trade, and that's where he introduces uh, Seldon. That's not Seldon. What's his name? Cedric? That is also a Harry Potter character. I do not know what his Cedric, yeah. Cedric, thank you. Um, yeah, he goes. To, he doesn't go to Chalced all the time. He's just starting to because of the power shifting. He was just uh, he was just courting like the Chalcedian powers and like going on those new trips. But I thought those tri- all the like trips of with men love in it was like to Chalced specifically. Mm. I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe that's just how I view them in my head of like they're weirdly misogynistic but also super gay friendly. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't match I, up. Well. I didn't think so. I didn't get that impression at least from my books. Well, I guess okay. we'll have to watch out for it. But I, I was under the impression that Bingtown had the secret society and they went on these long trading trips trips which they had to go on mm-hmm. but they use it as an excuse right to be along with each other that's fair but i could also see like hating women so much that they're like beneath you even to like <laughs> sleep with like <laughs> only another man will do yeah. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> chelsea is a piece of work and it so is, is hest and everything right. we'll get there in time but uh thank you so much for reaching out with that um We have one other email here from Shane, and, um... I don't think it's really about... It's it's not too much about the the chapter of the books, we're just... I just kind of want to bring it up anyways, because it's... I don't know, it's about books in general. Um, he's asking, uh, about, uh... First of all, he got Verity, and he says it's spot on, he's the second of three boys, which... (laughs) Man... What did I get? I got Ketrikin. Yeah. Man, we're destined for each other, Shane. I'm coming <laughs> for you. Your uh, your wife better watch out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, he was talking about uh, Stormlight Archive and and thinking about like like my thoughts on Brandon Sanderson, who's an author there. Um, and I I know it's not specifically about you know this series or anything, but I want to note like. I don't even know if it's like a similarity or actually it's not. I know it's not a similarity. It's a difference between the two writings, even though I love them so much. Brandon Sanderson has a very world building heavy. They're basically opposite authors. Honestly, he is very world building heavy. He has a very defined rule set in all of the magics that he writes. And it's very plot focused where everything kind of um, avalanches at the end. All the climaxes come, like, rolling in all together, and it finishes with a huge thing. And Robin Hobb takes so much time to establish characters rather than the world or the plot. <laughs> um, and I've expressed it before, but her, her world building, to me, is something that I wish she could expand upon. The world seems big, but there's not, like, detail, so it, as as big as the world feels, you're only thinking about the impact of your immediate surroundings wherever we are. Right. Um, that changes a little bit in the, in the Live Ship Traders trilogy, because it's focused on more characters and you see more locations, but in the Fitz ones particularly, you're not thinking about anything wider until the last trilogy, where everything's kind of brought in. Yeah. So, while I love them both, they are very separate. 
and very distinct writers with their styles. So those are my my quick thoughts. I do love them both, though. And I am looking forward to the fourth Stormlight Archive book. <laughs> it's coming out soon. So I recommend those if you if you like if you like action <laughs> and magic systems. If you want something more concrete than next, what does the skill do? Next what does time the on do? anything but fits. <laughs> yeah, on anything but fits, yeah. But we've we've complained a little bit before about how Robin Hobb uh, hasn't explained what the wit and skill and is. Maybe that's part of the magic, you know. <laughs> it is. It is. The wit is the skill we find along the way. I mean, Lord of the Rings wouldn't have the same kind of mysticism about it if Gandalf said, "You have to say these three words, wave your staff like this, and this well, happens." Sure, but also the Cimmerillion does exist. Yeah, but that's not about magic. But does it set up the rules and guidelines based off of the other nope. stories? Oh, okay. It's basically a mythology and just stories about history of the people. It's not magic. Sorry. We're going on a big tangent now. <laughs> we better This is a long enough episode. Yeah. We don't need to talk about the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Let's go into the Silmarillion and really recap everything there real quick. <laughs> Uh, thank you again for everyone sending out um, these topics for us to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. It's weird because I like recognize names now and it feels like a friend. So like it feels weird because like we're talking to you guys on a podcast platform and so that's like not exactly the same as being friends, but it is a friendly vibe and I like it. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We like hearing from you guys. 